In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today is the octave day of Christmas. That's how the feast is known in the new Missal and in the old Missal. It goes by different nicknames. But it's the octave day of Christmas, the eighth day of the 12 days, the eighth day of the 40-day season. On the eighth day in the Jewish calendar, the male child was given his name. He was inscribed into the covenant of Abraham, described in Genesis 12 or 17 and in Leviticus 17 or 12. I think it's Genesis 12 and Leviticus 17. Our Lord was circumcised on the eighth day and given his name. And when we think of the humility already on display in the manger... If we recognize the humility, the simplicity, the poverty of our Lord, then open your your eyes a little wider. He was willing to be born of a creature. He was willing to be hidden inside of her for nine months. He submitted to the incarnation and being the most helpless of creatures on the face of the planet, and a dad born in the most meager of circumstances, in a manger, among animals, his parents having been refused a place to stay. He was visited by shepherds, not the most notable uh, of guests, and even the shepherds didn't stay very long, they went back to tend their sheep. On the eighth day, not only are his material circumstances, but even his spiritual condition is one of enormous poverty. He submits to becoming a member of the covenant that he established. The word of God, through whom all things exist, who has spoken to the people of God, through the prophets and the patriarchs and the judges, establishes a covenant for sinful men to rescue them. And himself, as man, submits to that covenant. We will see similar humility in the River Jordan. And we will see nothing more humble and poor and simple and generous than our Lord on the cross. Admittedly, there, there are some, some Christian souls who need to be reminded of their, their dignity what it means that they are made in the image and likeness of God, especially Christians adopted as sons and daughters of God, who never had an example of someone who lived in a dignified way, who knew how to suffer with dignity, who knew how to be embarrassed with humility and dignity, someone who knew how to be humiliated and still conduct themselves 
as someone who belongs to God. It's that soul well formed that then knows how to how to guard the dignity of others, how to how to cover their shame, how to be mindful of what's um, what's dignified in treating another human being and their faults. So that's an aside. The rest of us, the vast majority of us, need to learn more about the humility and the poverty and the simplicity of God in the manger. Of Christ being circumcised and named. The name comes from heaven. The name was given him by the angel, by God the Father. But he wasn't called that name on earth until his father said so. Christians who have inherited the kingdom, who should more than any other human being know that theirs already is the greatest treasure in the world, sometimes refuse to to submit to even the slightest of embarrassment, refuse to yield to others in traffic, refuse to hold their tongue when someone um, speaks poorly of them. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Our Lord came with a simple mission. He came to make it possible for us to become sons and daughters of God by baptism, made possible by his passion and death on the cross. He came to save us. He, he had only one desire in life, the love of God. And his purpose was to make it possible for us to receive the love of God, to be, con- so, to be conformed to the mystery of God, that our humanity be healed and perfected so that we could receive, likewise, the love of God. A singular purpose, a singular desire. St. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, comments about how our Lord came at the fullness of time. The fullness of time has already arrived. We as Christians are living in what is already the fullness of time. We, We shouldn't think of having hundreds or thousands or millions of years for untold progress and development. We should think of ourselves as living in this fullness of time and spend our time accordingly, this day and this year, to to do the humble work of conforming our lives to God and helping others know and receive the same love of God. And we should do it with urgency. Now, our Lord in his humility and poverty and simplicity also in the manger makes very clear that he has provided for the certainty that he be loved, worshipped, and adored properly. 
even in the manger, even on the cross. First and foremost, how? By the Blessed Virgin Mary being prepared. Her immaculate conception, making it such that he has not simply a mother who can properly be called his mother, someone without sin, even the stain of original sin, but also someone who loves him perfectly. He came in humility. He also made sure that he would always be worshipped and adored and loved perfectly on earth. It is in the nature of the Holy Trinity that perfect love be constant. In our case, God doesn't need to be worshipped in the sense that he is lacking anything, but he ought to be. The Son and the Spirit ensure that God the Father is loved and worshipped and adored. The Father and the Son ensure that the Holy Spirit is worshipped and adored. And the Father and the Spirit ensure that God the Son is worshipped and adored. God is to be adored. It, it, it shouldn't sound as a, as a command or as a declarative. It's simply a, a matter of fact. That is the fabric of the universe. God is to be adored. And from the very beginning of his incarnation, he has been and always will be. At the very least, in the perfect heart of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And those who gather in her company to love, worship, and adore her son. And even on the cross, where his, his untold suffering freed us from sin, it is actually the very heart of our worship of God the Father to participate in not an ignoble embarrassment, but in the fulfillment and the completion of his sacrifice, his perfect act of love offered up to God the Father for our salvation. This morning on the way out to Fairfax Station, I saw quite a few joggers on the sidewalk. Some people walking briskly, a few people walking dogs. Some of the joggers even, even looked like they knew what they were doing. I suspect that there were a few New Year's resolutions on the pavement this morning. We should pray that they persevere. It's a good thing. We would also do well to pray for everyone who is in church, has been in church today, or will get to church later today, who is resolved to worship God and to be at church every Sunday, no matter what, and Holy Day. They deserve our prayers. For many people, it takes extra effort, help, encouragement. It takes someone to be there or someone to take them. God is meant to be worshipped. And our, our hearts were made to worship. We can see that in exaggerated attachment to things and people, that our heart was made not just to be kind and generous. Our, our heart was made to, to worship and adore. 
It not only has that capacity, it has that desire. It just needs something worthy of that. And maybe for some, this will be the year that they are drawn more, even more deeply into the, into the Christian worship of God. And and make not just their hours in church, but uh, all of their time consecrated to the Lord. So we should pray for each other and our um, and our new year that we use the time wisely. I trust that you, since you all are here, you intend to worship God and serve Him this year. So I wish you a happy new year. Um, for other people, I'm not I'm not sure I want it to be happy. I want it to be good and blessed. Um, but we should only be happy when we're with God. So happy new year. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.